Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hello Government of the Podcast. I'm Abdullah, and with me today is a special guest. Want to introduce yourself to the lovely people? Hello, what's up? <laughs> Kara Buckland, everybody. And if you don't know who she is, then quick Google search, and I'm pretty sure you'll know who she is by after a quick Google search. Um, well, if you'd like a few of my, I guess, like bigger credits that maybe people listening might kind of be familiar with or interested in. I play Tubian near Automata. I'm Falcon, Street Fighter V, Talim, and of course also Tubi in Soul Calibur VI, Katarina and Erica and Fire Emblem Heroes, Amelia and Detective Pikachu, Edna and Tales of Zestiria, and Honoka and Dead or Alive. Um, and just recently I played Raimi Sugimoto in the English version of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Diamond is Unbreakable, which is my favorite show of all time. And how was that experience where you like finally being cast in the JoJo project? Because I know you're crazy about that, the JoJo's. Yeah, that was incredible. See, I figured I'd kind of have to wait for part six because I was like, well, you know, maybe they just don't want to double cast people. Maybe, you know, I was like willing to wait if it, you know, if I would have to wait for part six to be in JoJo. But, um, you know, hopefully since Raimi's like, she's a very important character, but since she is a smaller character in terms of screen time, hopefully, you know, I'll still have a shot at Jolene when the time comes. But I was just really, really excited because I adore JoJo. I've been a JoJo fan for about four years. I run panels. I run cosplay gatherings, all this kind of stuff. That's that's pretty cool. And I, I mean, it's kind of it's, it's uh, kind of weird that because not a lot of people, not a lot of voice actors I've talked to on the show ever get the role that they kind of desire sometimes because it's it's kind of like, yeah, you know, it happens and we get cast in this and that. But what I really want to do is this. But, you know, it, the, the the thing never comes. But and it's, it's always great to, to see people get get roles in franchises they want to be a part of as opposed to you know, just getting typecast in something that they're like, ah, whatever. Yeah, there's definitely been a few. You know, I'm grateful for any work that comes my way. I think pretty much any actor is just like, if I'm working, I'm happy. But, you know, it's it was the same thing when I got cast in Ace Attorney or Soul Calibur or Street Fighter or anything like that. You know, if it's something that you're kind of personally attached to, then that really means a lot. And how was that experience for you? Like finally, you know, was it that, was it, did you finally get that feeling of I made it finally? I'm in something, you know, big and something I can be proud of. I mean, not, not, not like you weren't proud of being in near Automata, but I'm saying like, this is, you know, Jojo, this is something you're very passionate about. And you, you know, you go in there and you're like, wow, I finally made it. I don't think for really any actor they get to a point where they say I finally made it because the thing about a lot of actors is that we always are like, okay, I got to do this really cool thing. I achieved this goal I want, but now I want to do this. Like there's always something higher that we're aiming for at any given moment. So I don't think I've ever really felt like, okay, this is it because we're never fully satisfied. You know, we're always like, we want to, we're so happy that we got to do this, but we don't want to do all these other things too. But, you know, definitely being in JoJo and I think, if somehow when part six gets animated, if I by some miracle happen to book Jolene, I maybe I will finally feel that, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, but I mean, it's it's sort of like a start. It's better than nothing, <laughs> which is a phrase I hear a lot these days. <laughs> it's better than nothing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 great seeing people 
get get roles and stuff that they want they're passionate about especially considering when it comes to anime casting it's totally different from like regular casting because there are no how is how is it because i don't think there's like it's not like they do casting calls do they do casting calls for anime if something's like already done then they just want someone to dub it real quick um usually how casting stuff works is um certain voice talent you know people have gone through training got their demos made you know all the kind of like the steps that they need to become an actor um they usually get put onto like a casting database or whatever at one of the dubbing studios and then when they have new shows coming out they will send out certain auditions to the people who they think would be good contenders for those roles and once in a while you don't even have to audition like um i've had some roles where they just say we would like to cast you for this part so if they've worked with you a lot and they kind of know your range and know like what archetypes you're good for sometimes you'll just get a booking email and that's always really fun because you get to skip the whole process of doing the audition and you're like okay cool I get a booking but um normally yeah we have to audition and you are just sending out a lot of auditions and you're trying to forget about it and you know then when you do book something it's a nice surprise um but definitely for castings we always record in person for like dubbing and a lot of bigger games. So you have to live where the work is. Well, and that's why I think uh, I, I did my I did my homework. You're originally from Alaska and you had to move to the to to L.A. because that is where the work is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I did, um, I did and then in terms of anime in specific, there's also a lot done over in Texas. Yeah, but I think, uh, you know, you kind of moved to LA because, you know, there's a lot more opportunity there than there is in Texas. Cause with Texas, it's just like that small group that just does the anime there. And, you know, they're, they're fine with, with, with what they do there. I'm not putting them down, but I'm just saying like, you know, if you want to be in more stuff than just anime, you kind of need to be in LA. That's just. Yeah, I would is. say a lot of the games are done out here, for example. Yeah, because all the studios are there and all the, all the hustle and bustle is is there. And uh, how did you um, land the role of uh, 2B? Because I know that's your biggest role to date. Yeah, which I'm actually surprised about. I had no idea that the game would blow up to be as big as it did. But that was kind of a similar thing. Um, in that case, there were in-person auditions. So a bunch of actors just came in and, you know, read for different characters at the studio. And then when I see, you know, like I didn't know... Um, like that she was the lead necessarily or much about the game. Because a lot of times when we audition for stuff, it's kind of um, confidential or maybe we don't have a ton of info because, you know, if things are still kind of in development or whatever, it's it's very secretive. So I was just like, okay, like here's these characters. And then when I found out, I was like, wait, she's, I booked the name, like I booked the lead. And I played a lot of leads before, but, you know, just something about being the first voice that you hear in the game. and you know, all and again, when we were recording, I didn't know if this game was going to blow up and be so big because I'd done a ton of like JRPGs and things like that where people were like, oh, that's cool. Like you get some people who play it and then maybe it doesn't get like as big of a response as you were hoping. So I was so like jaded by just like, I can pour my heart and soul into something and people won't play it that much. And then near just like completely blew up. <clears throat> yeah. So, 
And, and how was your reaction to to the to how big the, the game got after release? I was really surprised. You know, I was kind of nervous because I was like, did I do a good enough job? Um, it was definitely playing against type as in, you know, a lot of the characters that I book are kind of um, more like the bratty teenagers and stuff like that. So playing a character who was a little more mature, calm, in control of her emotions, that was kind of new for me. And um, just figuring out like how much emotion I could show, I guess, because I'm used to going really big and over the top with a lot of the characters that I get cast for. But for an Android character like to be like, you can't, you know, you have to be more restrained. So I think that was definitely an interesting challenge. Yeah, because you're usually known for, you know, because uh, I've seen the, the, some of the anime stuff you've been in and you usually type get typecast as the angry, you know, bratty teenage girls. <laughs> and it's kind of yeah. weird. Like, cause, cause I love I, it. It's so much fun. <laughs> Uh, I think my favorite character of yours is uh, from a game that not a lot of people have played, unfortunately, and that's Paladins. I really like Evie. Evie is like one of is my favorite character of yours because of how crazy she is. Yeah, I I love playing crazy characters, honestly. Yeah, I mean it's it's a lot of fun because you you know you get to go crazy, you get to to you know go nuts as 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 they say and i think that's uh it's it's really surreal listening to that and having to be reminded oh yeah she's the same voice actress who did 2B who is a very calm and collective <laughs> and monotone character compared to EV See, I live for that stuff because it's like, I don't know, you always have people criticizing voice actors and saying they always sound the same, even if they don't. Like, everyone says the same thing. Who doesn't like English voice acting? Like, oh, they always sound the same. And it's like, I love it when I'm playing characters on totally different, like, opposite ends of the spectrum from each other. And I can just be like, okay, yeah, tell him and 2B are both me and Soul Calibur. Have them fight against each other and tell me I sound the same. Come on. Oh yeah, Talon. That's another one because I'm a huge Soul Calibur fan, and I, I was kind of, I was actually kind of surprised at how great the dubbing was in that in that game because usually the Soul Calibur games have really dodgy English dubbing, but this is like the first one where they're like, okay, fine, we're gonna give you a serious English dub, and yeah, and we had a really good. good director, and there was a really good cast for it overall. So I think you know when you get just a great team overall, that helps a lot. Yeah, because uh, the voice direction was done by Wendy Lee, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And she also oh, directed Mirror, so a lot of the games that she does um, just turn out phenomenal. Yeah, because when I when I saw that, I'm like, wow, Wendy Lee, you know, a legend in the business, and it's a great cast because it's like, uh, you you know, you got the legends and and you know, up and comers and people who you know used to do do YouTube stuff and now are now being you know part of you know this big franchise, and it's just. A really great cast if if you're into if you're into like you know voice acting stuff and 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 you know you're interested in that sort of stuff like I am and I'm like oh my god it's Kirk Thornton he's in this <laughs> he's Nightmare yep. and and, and uh, Siegfried because I'm a you know Siegfried main and Nightmare main and he was just great as uh as as those characters because he finally gave um. You know, I finally felt uh, the 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 struggle between his character and you know Nightmare and all that good versus evil, where I did not get that from previous Soul Calibur games. Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, you know, what's it like, you know, doing uh, the battle uh, stuff, the battle noises and the grunting and all that stuff? It's super fun. I honestly love it because, I don't know, I know some actors don't like doing efforts because they can be vocally stressful, but I found that for that types of games, it's really not... um, it's not that difficult, like, for a character like Talon, because a lot of stuff, um, it's not very guttural screams, I guess you could say, for her. It's more like, ha, ha, yeah, like that kind of stuff, which I don't really find to be vocally stressful. Um, I know, for example, um, there are some games where you have to do, like, a lot of big, like, call-outs, like, big, like, ah, over here, like, that sort of thing, like, certain, um, I haven't done a lot of, like, military mobile games, but I know I did, like, one like that, and it was a lot of just, like, calling out the whole time, so that got vocally stressful, but for, um, the fighting games that I've done, it's been listen and repeat for the efforts, and what I mean by that is we hear it in Japanese, and then we just match the timing and intensity, so we usually don't have to match the sound exactly, but for example, say I'm doing like Honoka from Dead or Alive, they'll play like the clip and she's like, hey, or something in the Japanese. And I'm just like, ah! like something similar, you know, and usually we have to match timing. So um, for people wanting to get into dubs and localization, I usually say like kind of having a good ear for timing, which is something that you can develop for sure, is really helpful because you have to do so much listen and repeat stuff and matching length. Yeah, because all the anime interviews I've listened to when it comes to English dubbing, they say they hate it because it's mouth flaps, timing. You got to time with the mouth flaps. And I felt so sorry for most of these actors because they come from, most of them come from Western animation. And and it's totally different when you're doing Western animation because you can just do whatever in the booth because you're just there to record your lines. But with like dubbing, you have to like time your, time your uh, lines to fit the mouth flaps and so many people hate that. So many people hate that. Yeah, and I mean, dubbing gets a really bad rep, but honestly, it's hard. It's a technical skill, you know? So I think a lot of people just think like, oh, it takes no skill. They're just doing anime. You know, it's like the lowest paid thing in the industry and all that. But it's like, there's so many things that you have to think about. You know, I run um lectures sometimes on my server, like dubbing lectures, and we talk about how the whole process works. And honestly, it's really hard because you have to think about matching timing, matching the original voice, um, you know, staying in voice and, you know, most importantly, like acting among all that. So, you know, when you're trying to match picture, you can't let the acting go by the wayside. So, and then sometimes you get this really good take that you're like, oh, I love what I did with the character there. But it's like, oh, it's too long or too short or, you know, whatever. So we got to do it again. Or there's a technical thing like there's so I don't know, there's so much that goes into it and so much multitasking. And do you have uh, someone from the localization team coming in and telling you how how they want it to sound? Yeah, usually. Um, it just depends on the project. Like certain projects, they will be there just at the beginning to kind of make sure that everything's going smoothly. Um, and then on other projects, they will be there for like the duration of it. I mean, I believe for Near Automata, we had a couple guys from the localization team who were there the whole time just to kind of oversee everything and you know make sure that if like the director needed context or whatever for a certain specific scene in the game it's like okay here's what's going on um but then I've also worked on certain things where they don't have the clients involved or others where maybe like they Skype in so it really just depends and and how is that usually have you have you recorded something where you're because I know most of the stuff you record is you on your own but have you ever recorded something with um 
with someone else in the room with you. Like another actor? Yeah. Um, the only times I've ever really done that are occasionally on original animation. So I've worked on like a couple kids shows. One of them is actually out now on, I believe it's Amazon Video and also on YouTube. It's called Lego Friends, and for that we actually got to record in a group because it was original animation, which is really cool because I'm not used to people animating to us. Like I do so much localization work, but for that I actually got to record with all the other girls, and we were all in a room together and got to play off each other, and that is. Super cool because it's just not something that would be practical for dubbing. It wouldn't even be practical for a lot of games because of scheduling and budget stuff. So, you know, when you get to do something like that, it's a lot of fun because we're so used to kind of acting in a vacuum, if you will. The fact that you guys didn't record together. <clears throat> I'm sorry, you cut off there for a second. <clears throat> yeah, that's uh, that's always fun to to have another person in the room with you, as opposed to yeah, for sure. You're recording by yourself because I think. I'm a big uh, believer that I think voice actors should record their lines together because I, I'm not a fan of the idea of you know it, it's it's such a surreal idea. The more I think about it, where someone's like sitting in a room all of, all of, all on their own and they only have like vague directions of what what they want. Like usually there's like a casting director or a vocal director telling you, okay, do this, do that, and then you just do these lines without any context. And you're and then when they when they finally see the finished product, it's like oh. That's what I was recording for. <laughs> well, I think, yeah. um, honestly, a lot of that falls on the voice director's job, though, because, you know, we're going in and doing all these games and recording individually, but usually on the spreadsheet, I'm still, like, the spreadsheet with the script, I'm still seeing the, like, the line that comes before mine. And then the director or the clients, if they're there, they'll kind of explain what's going on and give us some context. So it's very rarely, like, we just have to go in blind. You know, usually you have people there explaining and, you know, if you, if your first instinct on what's going on or how the line is approached is a little off, then, you know, you always have the director who kind of knows the thing really well and is like, okay, let's try it this way or whatever. And, and yeah, that's, that's another thing people tend to, to, to think, oh, it's, it's just people reading lines. It's, it's, you know, it's not acting. It's just people sitting in a booth talking to themselves. No, it's acting. Which then you would not get cast <laughs> if that's what you did. <laughs> yeah, I know. Cause that's the thing people need to understand is like every, and this is, I, every voice actor I've talked to says the same thing is that, you know, it doesn't matter how many voices you can do. If you cannot act, then we do not want you. Exactly, because there's so many other people who can act and either sound like that already or can, you know, change their voice. And and does it get, you know, stressful on your vocal cords where you have to do, like, really high-pitched characters? Because you do a lot of really high-pitched characters, I've noticed. Um, It depends. If they're yelling, then it can get harder. Um, I guess it depends, too, like, how high they're going, how energetic they are. I do... Um find it a little harder as I've gotten older because I'm in my early 30s now and I found that it is a little harder to reach some of the pitches that I used to do like in my teens when I was just doing this for practice or whatever. So um, I guess one of the things that I just kind of do to 
to try not to lose my higher range is I try to audition for characters still who have that. I try to, you know, practice in those ranges so that, you know, so that I don't lose it. Yeah, because uh, if you go back and watch Cowboy Bebop now, you'll be shocked at how at how young <laughs> Steve Bloom sounds compared to what he sounds mm-hmm. like now. Because <laughs> I was yeah, in and a... a lot of that is natural as people get yeah. older and time passes. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely play deeper, more mature roles than I could ten years ago. But I'm just like, but I don't want to lose my my cute kid voices either. So <laughs> it's just practice, I guess. And that's the thing that not a lot of, again, a lot of people don't realize is that as, as you do get older, your voice does change. So you have to change, you have to adapt with it. So you can't just keep doing what you do, what you did like 10 years ago and, and think that it's still going to work when your voice is constantly changing. Yeah. I mean, some people can, you know, there are some people, for example, who naturally have like really squeaky voices or naturally have these really deep voices. But, um, you know, I think, our voices do change a little over the years and we have to be conscious of like, how can we stay, you know, stay in the ranges that we want or if we have to start booking characters that skew a little older to make sure we're solid in those types too. Yeah. And, but, but especially with, it's harder with anime because a lot of anime, they usually just want like either high squeaky voices or like really deep voices. Like there is no in between when it comes to when it comes to anime, uh, high school anime anyway. I mean, there's yeah. not a lot of variety in, in in voices there, at least from some of the stuff I watched anyway. Yeah, I think that's starting to change slowly. I mean, for um, I played a high school girl in Kakegurui and I didn't even really have to change my voice for her I just went crazy like it was just like crazy attitude but her voice in the Japanese was not that high pitch so I just kind of I don't know I, I just kind of did it in my normal like pitch and just got the attitude for the character and I think it matched Sure. <clears throat> anyway, um, yeah, I think a lot of people, I mean, you especially get a lot of hate because, you know, you're, you know, obviously an English, you know, voice actors doing anime and they, they are usually, they're, they're usually like two groups of people when it comes to that or they're people that, you know, understand dubs and, and understand why they're, why they're there and, and tolerate them. And then there are people who just hate every every single thing about dubs and it's just crazy. yeah and i just say i mean hey they're within the rights to do that i made a tweet that went viral a while back saying like it's totally cool if you don't want to watch dubs like nobody's forcing you to watch dubs most games even these days have dual audio so it's very easy even if it's on netflix or whatever or you know crunchyroll is really accessible that has subbed versions of a ton of anime you can watch legally so there's there's just so many ways to you know support it and just watch it in Japanese and like I don't mind I mean even if someone wants to watch or play something that I'm in in Japanese it's like that's totally fine but I just say like don't be a jerk about it to the people doing their job like it doesn't bother me if people don't like dubs but I just um I just think like don't you know harass English voice actors for doing their jobs 
Yeah, especially considering how low-paying their jobs actually are sometimes. <laughs> cause, <laughs> you know, I actually looked at because I think the last pay raise you guys uh, got was in 1999. <laughs> yeah, um, the dubbing stuff—it's definitely like in need of an update. Because <laughs> I mean, you get paid over twice as much to do a video game or an original animation, but to me, dubbing is harder than doing either of those things. Well, yeah, because you know you have to match the timing and the lip mm-hmm. flaps and all that stuff, and it's I think just part of horrifying. it is maybe the budget just isn't there for a lot of these productions, and I think that's maybe starting to get better. You know, there's so many ways to watch anime legally now that um, I feel like it's not. You know, I know for a while when anime wasn't as accessible quickly in the U.S., it was like it was harder because people were just like pirating everything but now that there's like you know Funimation does like the simul dubs you people who want to watch it in English can watch it really quickly um you know there's just, there's just like so many ways I don't know I feel like maybe the things are going up like positively for the anime industry but I just hope that can eventually um lead to maybe a raise in the overall standard dubbing rates for actors yeah, because I, I I looked at like some of the money that some of these guys make, and it's just pitiful, and it's just such a shame because most of these guys, I'm like, oh my god, I'm a fan of your work because I really liked you in this dub, and then I find out, oh, they're struggling to find, you know, more work because, you know, they just did, they, you know, it's cool that you enjoyed me in this anime, but you know, that ain't paying the bills. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of times if they're in Texas, they might be doing other stuff like uh, writing, directing, that sort of stuff, or they're just doing so much work that, you know, the volume of work makes up for it. Or out here, I know, you know, people do dubbing, but then they'll also have like games and original animation and maybe commercial stuff. So, you know, that's kind of where they make the bulk of their living. Um, But it would be nice because dubbing is a specialized skill. It would be nice if it were more sustainable overall. Like, it can be if you do a lot of it, but you have to work really hard to get to that point. Oh yeah, because again, again, and it just pisses me off when when I see people like talking shit to anime voice actors on on Twitter, and and I'm like, you know, you guys don't realize how 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 tough they have it sometimes, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I would say tough is relative because at the same time, this is like a dream job for a lot of people. So, um, I don't know. It's Like, I am just grateful every day that I get to do this. And it's hard in any creative field. I think it's the same if you want to be a a film actor. It's the same if you want to be a musician. Um, You know, just any, like, creative pursuit, writing, photography, like, cosplay, whatever it is, it's just going to be hard because you are a freelancer. And that's kind of the reality of it. So, you know, I'm... 
I don't think that, for example, it's like, oh, this is harder than, you know, what about the people who are like waiting tables, doing retail, all the stuff that I used to do when I was trying to get my career off the ground. You know, I think that stuff's harder and for much lower pay. So when we talk about like um, low pay for dubbing and stuff, I think it's all relative because it's definitely more preferred to do that than to have like a day job for most people. But um, it's just that you have to get a lot of work in order to make it sustainable. And that's another thing is like sometimes, you know, you aren't going to get hired like a lot uh, in a a lot of anime. And so you have to find other stuff to keep you to keep you afloat, especially now, considering, you know, cost of living in in L.A. is going up now. So, you know, you're going to go there and you're going to get your career off there and just know that you have to keep working. You have to keep working. Otherwise, you're not going to survive. Much longer. Absolutely, especially because the industry is super competitive. Oh yeah, especially in anime. And anime, I think it's it's a lot more competitive than it is in, in the Western animation front. Because with that Western animation, it's just okay. You have your big tiered guys and your lower tiered guys, and that's it. But like breaking uh, into, I mean, you know, kinda. I mean, I know. I mean, a, honestly, Western animation is a lot harder to break into than dubbing. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I know, but you know, but you know, it's 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 you know, it's a lot harder to get into. I think uh, for me, I mean, it's 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 a lot harder to get. Uh, God, I don't even remember. Shit, <laughs> lost my train of thought. Anyway, um, yeah, I think it's 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 hard to 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 make a living as as a voice actor for anything really. So that's that's kind of the kind of point I wanted to make. And uh, but I'm glad you're doing well with that. I mean, it's 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 you know, it is what it is, I guess. And it's, yeah. is it is it is it weird like waking up and and realizing that oh you know I I'm doing something I always wanted to do as a kid, or is that still like what? Um, I would not say that's like an everyday thing that people think about because I think a lot of times we're just sort of uh, I don't know like. We're always thinking about the next job and the next thing that we want to book. But there are definitely moments, especially if I get to work on a franchise that I'm personally a fan of or something. Like Soul Calibur obviously was very special to me because that was the first fighting game that I ever got into. And so, um, you know, like over 10 years ago when I had played Soul Calibur, it was like Soul Calibur 2 back then for the first time, I was just like... This is so cool. Like, I would, you know, wish I could, like, do a voice in a Soul Calibur game someday. But, you know, because I was, like, a hobbyist and stuff at the time, I was, like, you know, not, like, really thinking it could ever happen, I guess. Like, it was something I always wanted to do. So then when the game came out and I was actually, like, playing as Talim with my voice, it was, like, those are kind of when you have those moments, I think, when you're, like, I can't believe I actually got to do this. Well, I mean, speaking of Soul Calibur, um, how do you think it it holds up? Because I know you're you're you know you're into fighting games. How do you think the newest one holds up compared to the other ones? I think that it's great because, um, I mean, kind of when I fell off the Soul Calibur wagon and as like a gamer was probably after three because like four and five I was just kind of I don't know they didn't really grab me as much. But I feel like like with Soul Calibur 6, they kind of went back more towards the play style of 2, which was like what people really, really loved. So I think it did well. And then another reason I think the game did so well is because of the character creator. Like, I'm sure you've seen around Twitter some of the ridiculous stuff. Well, I mean, yeah, but I think, you know, especially as someone 
for me, I, I grew up playing Soul Calibur three in the arcades, and let me tell you, that was uh, that was quite an experience. And I still think that uh, it's it's great it's great going back to you know that sort of play style because you know the four and five, ugh, <laughs> those are not very good. I remember playing those back in the day, and I'm like, yeah, this is horrible. <laughs> See, like, that's another thing that I wish I could do is be in an arcade game, but I feel like they're not really being made anymore except maybe in Japan. And and that's another thing that makes me sad is, like, the death of arcades. Like, there are, you know, a lot of competitive fighting fighting uh, tournaments I've been to uh, are just, like, done, you know, via monitors and it's usually just, hooked up, you know, hook up the console there and there you go. That's your That's your competitive arcade game now. And I'm like... Uh, I miss arcade cabinets. I miss looking at them. They were great. I know. It's like, I guess I sort of got to play on, like, an actual arcade cabinet thing um, for Soul Calibur Six because I went to this convention I was a guest at, and they actually had, like, um, people got, like, the blank arcade cabinets, and they custom modded them with certain games. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, because you don't you don't see uh most uh fighting games going to arcade anymore, which is sad. I think the last uh last arcade uh fighter I think went from console to um arcade was Street Fighter Four, if I'm not mistaken. I um, think it was, yeah. I think Yeah. I know there there was like some Street Fighter Four thing in one arcade I went to once. Yeah, I think there were a few, but didn't have one for five, which made me sad. Well, I mean, five is um, five is a weird game. I mean, cause I cause I really liked four, and you know, Capcom being Capcom, they really cucked, uh, they really uh, messed up the release of five. But I think you know, going looking looking at the version we have five now, I think it's a lot better than the one we had in 2016. Cause launch yeah, I think arcade was edition not, was really good. Uh, launch five was not very good. <laughs> at all but i mean they're getting there but you know i think to me um four is a lot better than five i'm sorry i mean you know <laughs> that's I, okay the, the improvements are great i mean I, I really like the improvements and i like the, the extended roster and hey you actually made it on a street fighter game that's pretty cool but i still yeah. like four but i still like four better. i think you know that's four okay is you can you can have your opinion and be wrong i don't care <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, four didn't have Abigail, okay? So you know, we didn't have the the character that just broke the game right there. <laughs> and four actually had the better Zangief, so there you go, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, I actually used to main Zangief in um four. Oh, that was a that was a pain for me because uh, I'm I was a T Hawk main. Oh. And, and, and <laughs> Hawks, I miss like, I miss EX Green Hand. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, I know. EX used to have the hand, and that's how you got in. But he can't do that in five. He can't. He can't yeah. do that. In five. But now I main Falk for obvious reasons. Uh, Falk is pretty good, but I think uh, for five, I still stuck with uh, Jury because I like Jury a lot. 
Oh, yeah. I used to love Juri as a character. I used to dress up as her and stuff. But, I mean, obviously, now I've dressed up as Fox since I voice her. <laughs> well, there you go, then. <laughs> That's where your loyalties lie. You only love a character <laughs> until you get to voice another character. Uh, but but is do you still keep up with the competitive fighting scene, or do, is that just like done with you? Um, I just don't have like a lot of time or patience to practice that much anymore. Like, um, I'll kind of play, you know, sometimes at home or this or that. But I feel like to get good in like a tournament sense, you just have to put so much time and stuff into practicing. I mean, I do play this um, mobile game competitively of all things. It's called Shadowverse, but that's like a competitive card game. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm getting uh, Hearthstone flashbacks now. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should try Hearthstone. Everyone's like, it's really fun. <laughs> oh, it's addictive. It is addictive. I had to stop yeah, playing Yeah, so is Shadowverse. Like. Oh, my goodness. Like, I downloaded it because I, I voiced a bunch of characters in it. And then I was like, before I know it, I got really addicted. But I'm also addicted to Love Live School Idol Festival. And it's so bad. I've spent so much money on it. Oh, don't tell me you did. Oh, you should never do it. Don't tell me you spent money on a mobile game. That's just, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's so embarrassing. Because that's how they uh, that's how they get you. It's like, oh, <laughs> I can level up. I can level up. Oh, I can't level up. I need more credits. Uh, you know, maybe maybe one pack won't hurt. Maybe one pack. You know, maybe one pack, and then you just realize you just spent a hundred dollars on on a mobile game. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's another yeah, thing I don't. Yeah, probably uh, spent more than that in a year. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's how, the, I mean, that's another thing I wanted to talk about is like, um, you know, you were part of Near Automata and that game has a very, uh, very uh, dedicated fan base. And I, I was just got, I was thinking that is it, is it, uh, weird being part of something that, uh, especially like an IP like Near, did you really expect it to be as popular as it did? And, and are you like surprised at how, at how popular the game still is to this day, you know, three years later or two years Yeah, later. I mean, originally I had no idea it was going to be so popular, especially because, like, the previous Yokotaro games, like Nier and Dragon Guard series and stuff, they were, like, they definitely had a strong fan base, but it was, like, a small fan base, I guess. Um, but then Automata just completely blew up in a mainstream sense, too. But, you know, of course, having played the game myself and having worked on the game, I completely understand because it is a game that is so emotionally powerful. Um, you know, I think people ha who haven't played it, they're like, oh, you get to like beat up on little robots as like a sexy android chick, right? And it's like, oh, you are in for a world of pain. Like I always tell people like have tissues with you. Like I pretty much everyone I know who played through Nier and beat all the endings, like not just ending A, but like the whole, you know, they beat the true storyline and stuff, they cried at least once. Yeah, because you really didn't expect it from a platinum game of all things. Yeah. Was it, was it, um, was it uh, weird for you to actually, you know, when you finally played the game, was it weird for you to, to, to look at that and say, wow, I was actually part of something this uh, emotional? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely because, you know, when we're recording, um, uh, 
you know, we're only seeing our lines on the spreadsheet for the most part, except for the cut scenes, because some of the cut scenes, like we had to dub it to picture. So then we're seeing like a lower resolution video. Um, but I played through the game with Kyle McCarley, who's the English voice of 9S. And so we got to kind of experience a lot of those moments together and really see the story come together because it's totally different playing it and seeing it all like in real time, as opposed to, you know, just recording your lines that you see on a spreadsheet on a screen. And uh, what's your favorite uh, fan media that uh, the fans have sent you of Nier? Oh, there are so many beautiful things. Um, I remember seeing there was a cosplayer who dressed up as 9S and was playing Weight of the World on piano. And so that was like, I don't know, that was something really beautiful, just some of the art. Um, I actually have, um, there was a fan who made um, and sent to me and Kyle to be in 9S's swords from the game. And I have that. In my booth right here, I'm looking at the box right now, and it's it says like to be on the outside, and it's got her sword on the inside. And um, then um, they made one for Kyle too, and um, that one is in his booth where he records. So you know, I think um, when I get like some of these really thoughtful and beautiful gifts, I like to kind of display them, or you know, in other cases like with artwork and letters that people have sent, I started making a scrapbook where I keep the stuff because, um, you know, I deal with depression, and so a lot of times I feel really like down on myself, and I feel like nothing I do makes a difference, or I'm not appreciated, or I'm not cared for. So put this like scrapbook together of like letters and stuff people have sent, and it's just like I guess it's just like a good reminder that there are people out there who appreciate what I do. Well, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'll tell you this right now. I, I, you know, Paladins was like a very up and down game for me, but the reason I kept going back to it was because I really liked the voice acting and I really liked Evie. Oh yeah, she was like one of the <laughs> my favorite characters to voice of the ones I've done, just because I got to go crazy, and I love it when it's just like no holds barred. You know, go as big as you want, go like the um, she like spouts memes and stuff. <laughs> And, and and that's why you know I think uh, you know people you know you tend you tend to forget that there are people that you know that your work does have effect on and even if it's like oh I, I I know that chick she voices Evie I like Evie you know she's a fun character to play as and you know especially with what with all the stuff that's going on in the world right now and you know, it's fun to be reminded that you know you are you are leaving a positive impact on people regardless of. If, uh, if you know if you ever talk to them or not mm-hmm. uh, that's why I hope I get to do more conventions and things like that so that I can meet people in person and I don't know just have like you know connect face to face have you ever uh, have you ever done the convention scene or is that you know still a new thing for you um a little I haven't done as much as some other people but I've probably done I don't know if it's maybe like 25 cons now or something um i don't know i've I've done a couple like alongside kyle and that was really fun um before near came out i did a few cons that you know maybe i got in through like a friend who was staffing or this or that and for those it was like nobody knew of my work so i was just like okay it's very you know humbling like you know you sit there at your table and nobody's coming up and getting anything signed and everyone's like who are you oh never heard of your stuff you know but then when near came out it like completely changed in terms of like if i went to a convention you know we suddenly had lines and it was all for like near stuff 
I mean, yeah, I mean, because, you know, it's a very emotional game, surprisingly. And that, uh, you know. Yeah, really and I know, I think that's people. partly why it's so popular, because it, um, it touches people a lot. <laughs> you know, uh, emotionally. Emotionally. But, yeah, of course. <laughs> Yeah, phrasing, phrasing. <laughs> I mean, in the context that we were talking about it, I felt like. <laughs> touches people. <laughs> yeah, it it touches people's emotions. <laughs> uh, and and um, are you surprised that it's still going, that the fandom is still going? Um, not particularly, like, I mean, I get why, you know, because people hear about it and they're like, oh, I want to play this or whatever, you know, I think when people have a positive experience with some type of media, that word really spreads and people are like, hey, this thing is good, you should play it, you, you should check it out, like, I still got, um, one of my roommate's friends actually, like, just sent them a copy of Nier for me to sign because they're finally getting around to playing it soon. Oh, uh, better late than never. And and finally, my final question is, where do you see yourself in your career in five years' time? Um, I definitely hope that I will get a chance to play Jolene in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Um, that's going to be a few years down the line, at least, because they're still animating Part 5. Super good. You guys should watch it. Um, I also hope that I'm doing more, like, um, AAA games or, like... I don't know, things like that. Like, it would be really cool to be in, say, like a Kingdom Hearts or a Final Fantasy or something someday. I don't want to get too greedy, but, you know, if we're kind of dreaming big, it would be cool to do something like that. And, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there has to be, like, some other big franchise that you that you think that you can... I mean, well, not, not a franchise specifically, but, like, a, you know, character archetype that you... That you um, that you want to do that you never got a chance to do before? Well, like, um, honestly, kind of my typecast is is the archetype I love doing the most. Like, I love playing, like, tsundere, like, bratty characters and, like, really crazy characters, and I feel like I do a lot of those. Um, but, you know, I'd love to play, like, you know, in a perfect universe, I would have loved to be in, like, Fully Cooly or, like, Evangelion or something because, like, those are some of my other favorite shows, but, like, they're already, you know, there's already, like, versions of those. Um, but who knows, maybe in the future, if there were ever some, like, retelling or, like, spin-off media of certain things I'm really into, then that would be cool. Or, like, um, Guilty Gear is my favorite game franchise, so um, playing, like, Dizzy or maybe even Jacko from the Guilty Gear series, if they ever did, like, an English thing. Or Athena from King of Fighters. Oh, or another thing that <laughs> I know, another thing that would be, like, a ridiculous pipe dream, and I don't think it would ever happen, but it would be fun, would be... um. If I could do, like, if I could be in Smash someday or, like, in a first-party Nintendo game. I mean, I, I know, like, every voice actor is like, oh, yeah, I want to be in Smash, right? But um, I don't know. Like, they've had a lot of voices for Princess Peach. If for whatever reason someday they're like, oh, yeah, we need to, we need to hold auditions for Princess Peach, you can bet I would be on that. Or, like, Zelda, because they've had different 
variations of that character or you know whatever i just want to be a nintendo princess like <laughs> everybody wants to be a disney princess i want to be a nintendo princess <laughs> i mean you know they gotta cut they gotta replace bayonetta at some point right <laughs> you know they can't have this forever oh she's so good though i'm like yeah, i can't I do that justice they put tb in if they gotta like port near to switch first or something like get a near game on nintendo console and then maybe <laughs> oh yeah I, I i totally forgot near is actually a spinoff of the drankengard series <laughs> just remember that that's weird that is weird Anyway, uh, well, I've, I've pretty much taken up most of your time anyway, so thanks thanks for doing this. Thanks, I really appreciate it. Thanks for being. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, and can I, let's see, we've got three minutes left. Can I talk about my cats and how awesome they are? Well, go ahead. Cats are awesome. Um, I was just reminded because... I had fostered these two kittens and the person who adopted them texted me being like, they're growing up so big and strong. So I've got four cats. Um, I've got Jared, who's the pumpkin spice latte. He's super fluffy. I post pictures of him all the time. I've got Mina, who's a little black panther. I've got Siler, who's like a tabby and white. He used to be like fat chungus boy, but now he's, um, he's kind of skinny because he's getting older. And then I have Cupcake, who I was fostering. I guess she's kind of mine now, but she's like this little fluffy tabby brat. And how old are they? Um, let's see. Jareth is about three and a half. Mina's probably about four. Siler is about like eleven or twelve, and Cupcakes like six months. Oh, so they're still young. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely still young, except for Siler. And then I um, the fostered the two little pumpkin kittens, and they got adopted around like eight months old. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Because uh, I've seen pictures of your cats and I'm kind of wondering how long have you had them. Oh, now I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're super cute. <clears throat> anyway, thanks for, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me and I'm glad we finally made it work. <laughs> scheduling. <laughs> yeah, yep. Crazy scheduling when people are across the world. <laughs> <laughs> Time zones. Oh, yep. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, and I'll see you all later. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.